the idea with product discovery is to give every type of shopper the right pathway that fits them individually because one size doesn't fit all anymore. Hey there and welcome to Up Next in Commerce, your number one podcast for e-commerce insights from some of the biggest names and fastest growing startups in the industry. I'm Stephanie Postles, your host and CEO of Mission.org. So window shopping is not a thing of the past. It's actually the future. Except this time, the stores come to you and the window is your smartphone. Stick around and find out how Ido Segev and the team at Sight are leveraging visual AI to revolutionize our shopping experience. Let's get into it. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Ido, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you on today. Great to be here. So I want to start with your background. So tell me a bit about the Israeli startup scene. Like, do you feel like you have a lot of support there? I mean, I only hear amazing things because I worked with Waze back in the day. So I saw that team grow and they were amazing and uh, worked with their founder for a little bit. And then I was telling you about Amdocs and I only have love for all my Israeli partners, but I'd love to hear, you know, how is it there? You said it was small and tight knit and, you know, what's the support look like? Paint the picture for maybe someone who doesn't really know that scene. Yeah, so the Israeli ecosystem is relatively small, but at the same time, you're seeing so many great startups coming out of like, uh, you know, relatively small population. For me, it's, on the one hand, it's kind of a mystery on like how, how such a small co- population can create so many great startups. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if, when you grow up here, you're being pushed to be creative to maybe become more mature very early on uh, during your life, a question many of the things that uh, that other people say. You probably know that you know Israelis can be very straightforward. Uh huh. I love it about them. It's my favorite part. <laughs> and and I think that this is the straightforwardness is one of the things that make it so um, so practical because eventually at the end of the day, even if the CEO says something, and we all have like a lot of uh, appreciation in every company in, in Israel, even the employee who joined last week can share his or her opinion and usually uh, in most cases will be heard and the idea will be looked at and there's a lot of acceptance for criticism Mm -hmm. and criticism on the now and not like in the the next periodical conversation which helps companies in Israel move faster. Wow I mean yeah it's definitely a mystery like you said of how many great companies are coming out of such a small population is it you think like the parenting that's kind of invoking this culture of, you know, no offense culture, be straightforward? Because I've heard about this actually in different 
pockets. I was listening to a really great interview the other day around the PayPal mafia. And they were talking about early days with Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and Max Lovchkin and how the whole culture was like, I mean, very straightforward. Like if you didn't have a good idea, they're like, no, that's not a good idea. And here's why. And it, there was no offense taken. And how because of that, they were able to move quickly and not take anything personally. And so hearing about that, I'm like, it sounds kind of similar, but like, what got you there? Was it, you know, the parenting is just, that's just how it is or trying to figure out like, why is it like that there and not other places? So one thing about, uh, about uh, parenting and then specifically, by the way, about the company. Yes. Like when I'm sitting in management meetings, ideas are being raised, but eventually many of them are just being smashed during the meeting and people just take it, take it like in a positive way. And I think that this is the the way to really open up the conversation and it creates creativity mm-hmm. when people are really open to to discuss and you know get, get their ideas slashed and then come up with new ideas and i think that you know if you you spoke about parenting my father for example was he was a businessman throughout his whole life he was a cfo ceo and of course i i i saw this kind of aspiration to succeed in life at him like uh, during my childhood and I remember one specific instance where he gave me a certain amount of money and he told me it was in the age of 13 and, and we sat and invested the money together. And I, I feel like it was the first kind of experience that I had that was not only just theoretically speaking about stuff, but really sitting and, and, and actually doing something together that's about uh, taking a financial initiative. If that's something that can be kind of said on every household in Israel, I don't know. Yeah. But honestly, I feel like when you go out to the street and you meet the people, for some people it might, seen as, it might be seen as rudeness, but there's a lot of warmth and people give criti- sometimes even criticism to people they don't know on the street, which for some people can seem like, well, this is very awkward. But if you're an Israeli, this, these are things that make you, if you're open to it, to improve, if you're in the, in the right mood, mm-hmm. I would say. I love that. I mean, I think I think we should do more of that in all cultures. I mean, especially if it's just going to make everyone better. Why not? Don't don't be offended. How is it? How is it in Austin, by the way? Oh, it is. Um, I mean, we definitely don't go around and critique each other <laughs> on the street. <laughs> we don't do that. Uh, but I will say, I mean, it's a great culture here and very helpful and warm. You know, that southern hospitality type of vibe. So highly recommend. I love it here. Uh, but I think. Everyone can learn from the upfrontness that the Israelis have. And so that's why I'm always very interested to hear, where did that come from? Yeah. Very cool. I think, by the way, as someone who, who studied abroad, that the balance is very important, right? Because when you deal with different cultures, it's super important to also be able to balance between your Israel, your Israeli approach and who the person you're speaking with is and what his or her culture is. Japan, for example, is one of the best options I could give. And you can be an Israeli, but to a certain extent, you need to really understand the other person, where, where he or she is coming from, and really respect it, I would say, because mm-hmm. otherwise it won't work. Yeah, yeah. I think in Japan, there's like a very long lead up time of getting to know someone and being cordial and making sure that you both, like you said, like respect each other. And then you can talk business after like all that is established. And you'll be surprised how when you have strong relationships there, you get the no way quicker. Yeah. And uh, and it's great. I love it because then it creates this again environment of, you know, getting the ability to to move forward fast. Mm-hmm. And it takes time. Yeah. It takes time. It takes sometimes it takes years to get to this uh level of openness. Yeah. 
you actually previously worked at a company that we had on the show, Yapo, and then I was going through a little bit more of history. And I'm like, I would love to hear from you, you know, how you are where you are today. Wow. Surprising that you brought up uh, Yotpo. Yotpo is actually, you know, a company that's uh, very close to my heart because when I joined the team as a PDM, Partner Development Manager, uh, it was really the first time. And I, by the way, I landed on this job uh, pretty much um, like out of nowhere. I didn't plan it. The person who's today, my wife, sent me the application. I applied and then I got to land on the job. And what I was doing is really reaching out to a lot of agencies. I think probably at the end of the, the year where I was doing this role, probably about 10,000 maybe. And I got to speak with so many interesting people, probably a few, you know, a few hundreds every month that I really learned about the industry inside and out. You know, I just, I, I feel like this role really got me to eventually you know, manage partners myself, manage the team eventually that, you know, manage the PDMs, account managers for, for partnerships, and then eventually resetters. And I think Yotpo is doing amazing things in the industry. Uh, we learned a lot about how to build partnerships. And for me, it was also how to create amazing experiences uh, for shoppers with Yotpo. Yeah. And they're blowing up right now. I've been following them. I mean, for anyone who hasn't listened, go check out that episode. It was really good. But just watching their trajectory right now, I mean, they're blowing up. I'm sure it was really a fun ride kind of being at the company and watching it go through all the changes. I still keep watching them. Yeah. Yeah. And were you in Tel Aviv when you were working at Yapo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was uh, in Tel Aviv, but of course, uh, I was uh, also going to the New York office every now and then. And also, we had a team of uh, a few people at a reseller in Japan, and I was going there Ooh, um, to be with my team. Yeah, I love Japan. It's one of my favorite spots. Tokyo. Great city. Uh-huh. Yeah, we w- went to uh, a little place called Hakone, which is near Tokyo, maybe like a two-hour drive, but super cute area. Lots of natural springs. Yeah. Unfortunately, when you go uh, in business trip, yeah, wow. You can't it's do like, that. It's only Tokyo because like, wow, well, you're super focused. Yeah, yeah, it's good to get outside the city. But tell me, where did you jump to next? So, you know, the Israeli startup center is very small. And I started hearing the name site over and over again. And eventually, you know, I got to speak with some people who um, explained to me what the technology does. And this is really when, where I understood that there's something bigger than just the name site, but really a deep technology that deals with a lot of patents, a lot of, you know, real understanding of what is this product and how I can find similar items. This is where it really started. And from there, and, you know, since I joined, I just kept seeing new products coming out to the market that I'd love to tell you all about soon. But the impact that I saw, the potential impact that I saw for Sight um, to help eventually end shoppers what they love during their journeys on websites and apps and even in stores got me really, really interested. And this is actually why I joined the company eventually. Amazing. Okay. And so for anyone who doesn't know, Site is like a product discovery platform for retail and it uses visual search to be able to find the products. Is that a accurate description of how to explain? Very accurate. Yeah. Okay. What's your day-to-day role look like? So I personally, you know, as someone who's managing the partnerships and business development at the company, I have a team of five people. And what we do day in, day out is to create a lot of relationships with Many companies, some of them you probably know, companies like WPP, Microsoft, AWS uh, from Amazon, companies like uh, Accenture, Deloitte, Wipro. We have about 150 partners. And what we do with them is create very strategic partnerships to eventually 
give more value to more of their customers, of their clients. And at the same time, you know, we create a lot of com marketing activities and we work together on deeper partnerships that are not about uh, working with clients, like in terms of getting business from each other, but also how to take their, their work and improve it with site, with, with product discovery in general, because product discovery is very wide, you know, product discovery can be visual AI, can be textual search, can be recommendations, can be hyper-personalization, and eventually it's a holistic approach. Uh, that agencies, consultancies, SIs uh, really love uh, working with. Yeah. So tell me about maybe what the landscape looks like. Because when I think about product discovery, I've heard on the show quite a few times that essentially how we discover products is how we started discovering them back when Amazon launched and like how we were scrolling through and looking for books and not much has really changed maybe up until now. But tell me, what does the landscape look like today and where do you think it's headed? Yeah. So I think what changed really is that many companies really looked at uh, shopping as a linear path, right? And giving shoppers different pathways is really the key to a healthy and really effective product discovery experience. So when we look at product discovery, we're not just saying, okay, someone saw something cool on the website, he or she is going to buy it, right? We're saying it can end up by if the person is what we call a goal-oriented shopper, they will go see the product and and purchase. However, if this person, for example, potentially can buy with these pants that they initially thought about buying, can buy, you know, maybe a t-shirt that fits this this item, or maybe if they're browsers, which are eventually customers, shoppers who are interested in discovering more items and then eventually make a decision. And this is only the high level, right? There are many other kind of types of shoppers The idea with product discovery is to give every type of of shopper the right pathway that fits them individually, because one size doesn't fit all anymore. Okay, so maybe give me an example or a couple examples of what could that, what does that look like from a shopper experience? I'm trying to imagine how's it different right now. Give me a couple examples. Yeah, of course. So let's take an example, right? I'm walking down the street and I, uh, I see something or someone maybe wearing something that I like. And you'll be surprised by how many people are doing that. What I can do then is if I know that my favorite brand is using a product discovery solution, I can just open my camera, take a picture on their site and find very accurate results that are highly similar to what this person is wearing. Same thing can go for, uh, for example, if I go to a friend's place and I see their newly renovated place, right? Let's say living room. I can take a picture of the whole space. Within less than a second, I'll get the breakdown of all of the different items in the space and I can purchase the look or the room, right? Now, this is only how the discovery experience starts. It can start from social media, TikTok, uh, from Instagram, from Facebook, from wherever. Inspiration today is key for brands to succeed and to bring traffic to their site. Now, on the website, we're then talking about the discovery experience. How do you really identify who the person is, what type of a shopper he or she is, and then cater for their needs to really you know, reduce frustrations and let them really discover products the way they like individually in a very personalized manner. Got it. Okay. And if I have a picture of something, do I have to know who maybe is the provider of it? Or can I just take a picture and be like, I like that couch and then just upload it to a 
general database that shows me like this is probably a pottery barn or crate and barrel couch and here's the exact item yeah. or do i have to go to crate and barrel's website and be like i know you're this is it i have to go to their website what's the flow look like there great question it's actually we do also have a general solution but we don't focus on that because site is really a SaaS company and we work specifically with brands helping them to reach higher engagement rates and and better bottom line metrics and building on that eventually at the end of the day it really doesn't matter where the product is coming from and what is the actual you know serial number of the item right it really is visually identifying which similar items can match what you're looking for got it okay so you can take a picture of something that's not you know of that brand Definitely. and they will pull a look that pulls similar items that are like well, okay you like this brown style couch we have that and here's the look of it yeah that's how to think about it got it exactly you can take whatever item you want and once you upload it to you know your, your preferred store will find or this or product discovery will find exactly what you're looking for and this specific uh, feature is called camera search right but then afterwards you you know we're talking about examples if i then for example found something that i really like from this picture and this is only one journey i can then click on the item and then things like for example recommendation engines or discovery icon where you click on and it opens up other options that can be also hyper personalized to the specific person and can really give me the option to continue the purchasing experience and then eventually I'll land on one, maybe the same item that I want to purchase, but then also increase the basket size because of all of the great recommendations that I got along the way. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because this was kind of done in a manual way back when I used to watch different TV shows. Like I'll say like, I don't know, uh, Gilmore Girls or whatever it may, may have been. And like people watching being like, I want to know what outfit that is. And there used to be these blogs where people would go on there and be like, okay, you want that look, but you don't want to pay $500. Like here's 10 other skirts from different brands that look exactly the same. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny seeing something that I used to see be done in a manual fashion now being done with AI, which is yeah, very, very cool to see. Exactly. And, and we're seeing it, these kind of technologies going to the smart TVs. Mm -hmm. I think this, this trend will just uh, intensify over time. You know, as technologies become stronger, and as you know, more shoppers are showing interest to also shop from uh, from smart TVs. Definitely a trend. You know, I'll be looking to see where it will go. And like you said, you know, today technology, like strong technologies or product discovery technologies, can really identify the styles and really suggest items that go well with this item that's kind of in the hero image in the product page. And this is something that really helps people make smarter purchasing decisions. Yeah. Is it the brands who are coming up with, you know, the items that are kind of matching or what's actually happening behind the scenes to make that recommendation happen? Yeah. So behind the scenes, we can maybe look at more kind of complete the look. So for example, if I have a hero image, the main image of a PDP, of a product page, showing a model wearing a dress, a pair of shoes, and, you know, maybe bracelets and, uh, and, and rings, so what site does, what we do is we, we break down the image into bounding boxes. Bounding boxes are really showing rectangles or, or rounds. It really depends on the, on the design that the brand chooses. It really separates the items. Now, if you want to complete the look, we'll tell you, okay, here is a carousel of 
not only the item that you have in the hero image that you looked at, that's like the, the item that the PDP is, is selling, but also other items or similar items to these items that are in the hero image that are not the item that's in the PDP. And by doing so, we're able to create a larger variety of items that are not necessarily this item or similar items to this item to allow for people to really easily add items to their cart that can complement you know, the, the item that they're initially thinking buying. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. I also like it when they show customers, you know, where it's like a customer who bought this couch or whatever also bought these pillows and this and this. And it seems like there could be a cool opportunity to just look at the purchasing behavior of, you know, what are some of the items that have been bought together and then showing a recommendation based off that. Because oftentimes I realize a lot of people are very trendy and they have yeah. great, you know, they're very like design first and I'll just go with whatever they picked out, like whatever matching pillow was with this couch. Have you guys explored recommendations around, you know, what other people have already bought and maybe grouped together? So super interesting that you're you're raising this because um, this is also an assumption, assumption that we've made a while back. And we actually came out with, uh, I think it was probably a month and a half ago, with a new feature called Often Bought With that really looks at um, the whole website and the behaviors of every uh, shopper on the website, anonymously, of course, allowing us to really understand which items are being bought with other items. And of course, not only that you can automatically let the system work and choose these items for you, we didn't speak about the merchandising and ranking rules you can use, because we're saying, by the way, that brands like having some sort of level of control over you know, what items they're showing. So you'll have the option to choose from a bank of often bought with um, the items that you'd like to show or the description of the item that you like to show. Like, for example, items that fit for a certain season, bestsellers, maybe items that are using specific deep tags that describe the items that are also, by the way, created by visual AI. Well, I'm glad I brought that up then. I was like, man, this seems like it could be very helpful. What about when it comes to educating the customer coming in, you know, they're looking at a brand's website. And my first thought would be like, how do you even show them that this is an option and get them to actually start using this new technology and uploading images and even interacting in this, I mean, semi-new way. I, I know with Google, you've been able to drop images in there for a little while and see what comes up from it. So they've had that for a while, but I don't think many people actually ever use that because I think it was the results weren't that great and maybe it just wasn't that helpful. And so I'm thinking like today, if I were to go to a brand's website, how do I come into the funnel in a way where I'm like, oh, I know exactly how to interact with this new piece of technology? Yeah, 
So it's interesting you raise it because actually side of like three years ago, we were really focusing on the camera search, right? Today, our suite of tools are, is really something that's broader because we look at product discovery as a complete and a holistic approach. But if we look specifically at the camera search, for example, which is more, I would say, for customers with higher intent, site visitors who are coming and using the, the, the camera search are the ones that really have something to upload. When we look at, for example, like a camera search, I can give you a few examples. Some companies, for example, create a story on Instagram explaining this is the, the new benefit that you can get by, you know, if you come to the website or the app. Others are adding kind of a pop-up on their website or their app. The most creative uh, action that I saw was actually of a brand that were working with in Korea. They literally created a concert to kick off the app. A few months ahead of this concert, they created a contest where people had to upload their images, their pictures, and eventually they created a very long page of uh, people's images. Yeah. They chose the winning image in the contest, and then people got credit to buy items on the website. That's smart. I mean, they were essentially training their users and incentivizing them to win something. To buy more, yeah. What did maybe the lifetime value of that customer, if you know, look like afterwards? Because I could see maybe having a big peak of excitement and then it potentially trailing off. Like, how did they keep them engaged and keep them maybe continuing to use this? Yeah. So the beauty of uh, product discovery, if we look at it, not only camera search and how much you're clicking on it and proactively uploading an image, it's really about recommendation engines and discovery icon and the augmented textual search that combines these deep tags that we can take from every image and find accurate results. It's about the hyper-personalization recommendations that really create kind of an environment that understands the individual customer without really asking them to take any proactive action. That's the beauty of it. We actually went ahead a year ago. We asked, okay, what is really the impact on the client lifetime value of a customer when there's a great customer experience and specifically a great product discovery experience? And actually what we found out was that we saw a 52% uplift in the customer lifetime value, which is crazy. It's mind-blowing. I was actually pretty much impressed by, by the number. We actually wrote white paper about it, so you can find it on, on our website. All right. That's awesome. So when thinking about the future of product discovery, where do you think it's headed? On top of visual search, it's becoming very personalized. Like, What's next? Or maybe what are you guys betting on right now that maybe you know, it's not here yet and you're not actually using it, but like, where do you think the world's heading? Yeah. So first of all, people in our view, and also from what we're seeing in the market, speaking with clients, speaking with partners, the world is going towards a place where people will shop more and more with their eyes, right? And explaining something in text is still very much in use. Then people are, they, they like searching with text, but as visual AI will go on and become more available to customers, we believe that the notion of like searching and discovering using visual AI capabilities will just get stronger and stronger. I believe that also the whole omni-channel experience will become much more important because now we're seeing that companies just keep adding more and more technologies into their website, apps, and also in the store. And I believe that as we continue 
to see companies, you know, the competition rising and brands continue speaking about how and thinking about how they're going to uh, improve the customer experience. It means that they'll continue adding tech. Customers will continue increasing their expectation for a great experience. And I believe that in the next year or two, the in-store experience will, one, have to be connected to, or this is why it's called omnichannel, not multi-channel, connected across device, across channel. And also the technologies that, that customers are experiencing on the website or the app will need to be also available in some sort in the store. And Site is actually, a, uh, I would say, a pioneer in the space of the omnichannel experience and specifically in the store. Where do you think maybe augmented reality comes into that? Because I'm imagining, you know, going out into the world, having something, whether it be your phone or a headset or something that can kind of help you identify what you're looking at and where it might be coming from. So where do you see that coming into the mix? Yeah. So that was my next point, actually. I think that when you're looking at AR, VR, the ability to take 3D objects and place them in, in your space, I think that this is, for us at least, it's a natural continuation of the discovery experience, right? Because you, you found what you like. And by the way, you mentioned recognizing an item. Today, it's, it's not a problem. Like We can do it today by even just hovering your camera over a product. We'll be able to tell you here are the three or five or nine most similar products. But the question is, how can I then take these products and place them on me in the space? And I think that this will have a really, really large impact on conversion rates. Because you'll be able to take the inspirations, take the products you discovered and loved, and then see how they look in your space or on you, like shoes, rings uh, that I'm seeing over and over again. Companies are using these great technologies and also eventually sofa, for example, if I place it in my living room. Yeah. It also seems like it would be kind of a fun hunt going out in the world and finding things and you know creating this not only brand awareness, but a brand love once you finally figure out you know, where it's coming from and finding it out in the wild per se. Yeah. You know, you're out walking the streets and you see something and I can see it kind of creating a different type of customer that, you know, is much more engaged than maybe they have been before because it's like the thrill of finding who's actually the brand behind this shirt or whatever it might be. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Ido, the last thing I want to end on is I want to hear the best piece of advice that you think about from time to time again. I'm sure you've, you know, had a lot of good mentors or people that you've been around or people in, you know, your startup scene. Like, is there any piece of advice that you think about as you're growing with this company site right now? And yeah, maybe think about it from day to day. Yeah. Wow. So uh, that's a big question. Yep. <laughs> I have to say that uh, for me, when I look at my trajectory, one of the things that I've seen that work, again, I, I have to say openly, you know, I don't think that things come easily to me. I work hard to get them. I'm not this uh, person who you know, got rich uh, after dropping out of school. And I think that determination, persistence, and believing in, the, in your higher goal and understanding that it might take some time, but that you know, along the way, there might be some barriers. And some people might say, that's not for me, you know, after they, they meet a big challenge. But I think that actually crossing the challenge and really confronting it, whatever it may be, and actually resolving it, if it's related to other people, for example, resolving it, resolving it in a very in a mature way will teach everybody in an individual level on how to solve it better next time. And eventually, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking at my relatively short career, 
Now I'm seeing that every kind of this experience that I have, whether it was negative or positive, and determination made me understand things that now I look at and I say, okay, I know how to solve them. Yep. And you will continue getting that throughout the rest of your life, I'm sure. So yeah. I hope so. That's awesome. Well, Ido, thank you so much for coming on here. Really cool to hear about what y'all are up to and the Israeli tech scene. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Where can people learn more about you and site? Thank you very much. Uh, I just want to say one thing yeah. that we didn't speak about. Yeah. I think that we're seeing it over and over again that, you know, people are, like we said before, getting inspired everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that over time, it will just intensify over time and really bringing social into e-commerce will just become more and more important over time. And stay tuned because site, you know, has a lot of news coming up uh, in this sense. Probably you'll hear about it in the coming month or so. Ooh. So stay tuned. All right, we will. Thanks so much. Thank you. listeners thanks for tuning into this episode i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did if you haven't already please subscribe rate and review this podcast it helps spread the word and i would greatly appreciate it see you next time Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.